HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Itoen, the leading green tea company and makers of Oi Ocha, Japan's number one selling green tea. For more information, visit itoen.com. Hello, everybody. This is Jerobi from A Tribe Called Quest slash Eats Rhymes in Life. And you're here listening to Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, a food writer and a director of the New New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every deli and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I will try to demystify it in this program with my cool guest. And my guest today is Doug Mangan, who is the co-founder of Kero, the Japanese tea importer and distributor based in Fukuoka, Japan, and in New York. And there are many tea merchants in New York, but Doug's passion and love for Japanese tea seems very personal, and Japanese tea represents his lifestyle. So we will talk about how Zach got into Japanese tea, its powerful network of farmers and tea blenders in Japan, and how to make the best green tea and more. Hello, Zach. Welcome to Japanese. Thank you for having me. Okay. So um, I know that uh, you're formerly uh, trained as a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into Japanese tea? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, you're, you're right. I, I um, grew up playing music and went to college for music and Shortly after moving to New York, uh, you um, went to Berkeley. I did, yeah, yeah. I, I studied music, uh, jazz performance at Berkeley in Boston, mm. and um, yeah, I moved to New York. I needed a job. I didn't have uh, many gigs lined up that would pay my rent, so um, I had been fascinated by green tea um, pro- at that point, probably for about two years. I just mm. on my own as a hobby, drinking it and oh, wow. kind of learning more about it. My my. Uh, mine tends to try and get deep into things. So if I like something, it tends to become a hobby and then a passion. So uh, I needed to find some work. So I ended up um, finding a job at a tea store in, in Manhattan. And uh, from there, just used it as the, obviously as a part-time job, but also as an opportunity to learn more. Mm. And um, 
so it goes. I just kept going and going and going. And then, you know, uh, a few interesting opportunities happened that um, mm. I was able to go to Japan. And from there, really, uh, you know, decided I wanted to do this as a, as a profession and right. not just as an interest. You know? Wow. So yeah. what is the first uh, tea experience? So growing up, um, I always, you know, my family are, are pretty much coffee drinkers, but we always had tea at home. And I just personally never took to coffee. Uh, I, you know, I never found my the palate for it. Um, so I, from a kid, I would just drink tea. I was always drinking tea at home and restaurants, I'd order tea. And, you know, I think part of that was uh, it was always very normal to me. So mm. uh, like I like I said, as I got older, I, you know, I saw friends and getting into wine and getting into, you know, coffee and telling me all these interesting facts and I didn't really have anything that I, was, oh, I want something, you know? So I was like, well, I like tea. So I started going to Whole Foods and just, you know, buying like tea bags and then loose tea. <laughs> then it was actually on a trip um, when I was in college, I, I was in Paris mm. and I went into uh, a tea shop and it was the first time that I really had the experience of like, wow, there's different varieties. There's mm. of the same, you know, type of tea and there's different examples in different countries. And at that immediately I was kind of hooked from right. there. It's like a Pandora's box. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really, really, really was and still is. And, you know, from then I, you know, I, I came back to Boston at that time and started going to tea shops in Boston. And then mm. really once I came to New York is when it, it, it kind of solidified into a kind of career move. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I heard that you were at a Kai restaurant. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the tea shop. Yeah. So actually right? Ito and... Uh, you happen to be our sponsor today. Yeah, right? I know. They're kind of, <laughs> this is good good press for them. So, uh, you know, I do have a, a, a lot of gratitude for them because it wasn't uh, Ito and owned the tea store mm-hmm. that was below Kai restaurant, which is a, unfortunately not there anymore. It was a wonderful Kaiseki restaurant. And, um, you know, working directly for a Japanese company not only gave me a glimpse of of the tea, but more like the culture of Japan, the ceramics, mm. the ceramics buyer uh, who worked for them is still a good friend of mine. And I felt like it was a, a very authentic mm. uh, view into, into Japan and also the corporate culture, the work culture, the, you know, the way you greet each other in the morning, you know, <laughs> learning how to say good morning in Japanese. All those things were very authentic and kind of, uh, I think, were part of what pushed me into wanting to go deeper into Japanese tea. Mm, yeah. So you studied at the right place. I yeah, think. no, I, I was, it's funny because there's uh, my parents uh, at the time I, I was, it was between working there and working at Whole Foods and mm. Whole Foods had health insurance and my parents were like, you know, you should choose what you want to do but w- this health insurance sounds really good like <laughs> and they were kind of pushing me into that direction and finally I said you know I'm sorry I really I'm more interested in this other job so I ended up working at Edoin and to this day they're always like we're glad he didn't listen to us because <laughs> you know we wanted him to work at Whole Foods so right so now a business owner yeah so. Right. So the, tell us some more about, you know, the how you started the Kettle Tea Company. Because I heard you happened to meet uh, two men from, yeah, from Japan. Yeah, it's a pretty wild story. So I was at the time working at the shop and two customers came in. Um, they were tourists visiting from from Japan and um, just really nice guys. Their English, you know, was limited, but you could tell they wanted to talk. They wanted to connect. So I just, you know, there was a quiet moment in the shop. So we started talking and, uh, you know 
I realized, oh, I should serve some tea to them. But this is maybe against the rules of the tea shop, but I had some personal tea someone had brought for me, and Mm. I really was enjoying drinking it, so I made it for them. And immediately their eyes lit up. They're like, where is this tea from? And I gave them the package. Everything was in Japanese. Mm. And they were like, okay, yeah, this is from Fukuoka. We can tell. We know that taste. So they ended up telling me, oh, we're from Fukuoka, and we know where this tea farm is. So Mm. here's our business card if you ever come. It's a very Japanese, like a gesture of not only pride that you know i was drinking a product where they're from but also a gesture of like Mm. just kindness like we would like we'd really like to show you this place so they gave me their business card and six months later i ended up going to japan to play a music festival Mm. and i emailed them and they responded and oh we remember you yeah please come to fukuoka i didn't know where fukuoka was i was in (laughs) tokyo so i looked on the you know on the map and i was like wow that's far away but Mm -hmm. anyway i i I took a leap i took the bullet train down and met them Mm -hmm. and not only did they show up but they have a business in japan a it business they they closed for the day and they brought all the employees from the company so 15 people showed up (laughs) and everyone had a small bag with a gift in it and they were happy you know welcome welcome to fukuoka thank you for coming i was just blown away i'd never had that type (laughs) of hospitality before right but kind of like you initiated here right yeah yeah Yeah. it it was i guess it was a return on my Mm -hmm. making the cup of tea for them just they did it on a whole nother level so (laughs) they showed up and they rented two of these large vans and everyone from the company including me uh went to this farm and we we get there and they introduced me to this gentleman and they said this is the guy that actually grew the tea leaves you brewed for us when we were in new york Mm, and i was so shocked i thought i was just going to be in the same region but they literally took me to the place the farm Mm, where this tea was that's like a epiphany yeah yeah and i had i had spent zero you know no time at all at a tea farm at this point so i was really taken by the landscape by the you know how clean and fresh everything was and uh, and obviously the tea when you drink it at source Mm. with the water from the area they use the same water to brew the tea and the quality is so fresh i knew this this was like the greatest thing i'd ever had in my life and immediately i was like okay this is this is what i want to do i want to try and get this exact product back to the united states so Mm. just to wrap it up shortly after i went back to new york and i realized that's what i kind of wanted to do and i reached out to these these two guys and Mm. i was like hey thank you so much for the trip would you want to start a business with me bringing this tea in? And the irony is they were actually doing a little bit of market research in New York. That's why they came to the tea shop, because oh. they were considering if they ever wanted to start a second business, maybe mm. tea would be something they wanted to do. So f- six years later, uh, we, we have this company, and that's wow. uh, that's how it started. Like gold ten working. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a little, when you when you tell the story, it's hard to believe, but uh, I, I couldn't even make that up if I tried. It really happened. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so um, so the Fukuoka is uh, Kyushu, and it's very uh, Kyushu. Also, there's a good region to grow tea. Yes. The famous one. Mm-hmm. Famous. We we'll talk about it later, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, right. yeah. So um, so you opened, uh, you started uh, Kettle Tea, mm-hmm. and uh, in 2011, mm-hmm. right? So what is special about Kettle Tea compared to other green tea merchants? Well, from the beginning, I my guiding principle really was just about taste. You know, mm. like I. I we work with producers throughout the country. So we we are based in Kyushu and Fukuoka, but we work with 
um, tea makers and manufacturers from all over Kyushu as well as uh, other parts of mainland mm-hmm. uh, Japan. And, right. So uh, you mean the farmers and the processors? Right. So right. I, if you, I can explain a little bit later or now how that differs because there usually is more than one mm-hmm. person involved in making the tea. But we do work throughout the country, but you know, we're really interested, even if the teas taste very different, mm-hmm. like delicious tea. So mm-hmm. I wanted to, from the beginning, focus on high-quality products and Packaging, making sure that the teas are taken care of uh, after they're harvested. So oxygen-free packaging, air shipping, keeping everything in uh, refrigeration, all of those elements lead to the customer opening the tea and mm. it being in as close to the state as it left the farm. Okay. You know? Yeah. I, okay. And then you have a, what kind of network do you have? Yeah, so we work with right now um, 10 different uh, either farmers or producers. And h- how that differs, I'll explain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Generally, a farmer will grow the product. So mm-hmm. they'll grow the raw leaves right. and then they will take it to an auction. Excuse me. And they will um, be, those leaves will be bid on by a producer. That producer will buy the raw product, take mm. it to the factory, and manufacture it. Right. It's like a coffee beans. Exactly, so. yeah. Mm. And um, more often than not, when you drink a tea, you're drinking several farmers' leaves mixed mm. together, blended together by that producer. Right. Um, there are, we do work with some small farmers who also have manufacturing capabilities. They have a, a factory behind their farm and they mm. do the whole process themselves. Right. It it's like a state wine exactly, kind of. Yeah, usually much smaller crop size and more unique sometimes a single varietal of the tea is mm. unblended um, so we work with a combination of large manufacturers and small uh, mm. farmers as well and we're you know there's an idea that just the super small farmer is the only person making great tea or wine or coffee but in fact in japan some of the larger producers because they have the technological advantage and the, the mm. resources are making fantastic teas as well as you know the ninth generation uh, yeah. guy <laughs> making it in his backyard so we're, we're really open to both of those right because like uh, you have to have a teapot in Japan every single family has a teapot yeah, so it's a it's part tr- of a true. the culture yeah right yeah so yeah so I understand that you sell tea to per se to John George, Atera, Brushstroke, Mission Chinese, a Chef's Table at the Brooklyn Fair, and they're all super high-end and popular restaurants. That's very impressive. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's, we've been very lucky. We're uh, really fortunate to have fantastic clients and and friends. You know, after you've worked, we've worked together with a lot of those restaurants for many years. They're like, uh, you know, we depend on them and they depend on us. But we we really value our uh, restaurant relationship specifically because they're our best marketing. You know, they we teach them how to make the tea and they care about it. And they night after night introduce products to the customers in in Mm. the best way possible. A diner who's out for a meal is so receptive to what's being told to them by the server. So Mm. it's like the ultimate time to, you know, plug the tea and to talk about the tea and to show them. What, what they're enjoying and how, how you know how to think about the flavors and mm. the, explain where it's from and people just are really like uh, it's it's a powerful time to to show to you mm-hmm. the customer right but before you get there you know you have to convince the restaurants like you <laughs> yeah. know but how did you do that well the first this is funny the first restaurant I ever worked I mean for six months we were a quote company we had no customers we just had a <laughs> tea and a bunch of packaging that we were trying to figure out and I was I remember it, I was in in a park. And I just was like, all right, I got to get one customer. I got I to just figure out how to get one customer, and then we can be a business. So I just called Brushstroke. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, was, uh, I knew about uh, the restaurant, and I'd heard great things about it, and I knew they had a tea program. Right. So I literally picked up the phone and called them, and another you know, stroke of luck, the right person picked up, and 
Um, Keiko-san is her name. She's still with the organization. She she picked up the phone and said, Hi, I didn't really didn't expect anybody to answer. So I was like, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, yeah. Uh, my name is Zach. I, you know, I'm importing tea from Fukuoka. And she's like, oh, really? The chef's from, from Kyushu. He might be interested. Come tomorrow. Uh. And I, she, like, hung up. And I was like, oh, my God. So I went, <laughs> I went and, like, bought a sh- nice shirt and got, like, I really wasn't expecting to go to this mm. meeting. The next day I went, they tasted the teas, and they were so open. They didn't care that I didn't have any other customers. They were right. just like, we want your product. We like it. So that was my first customer. Amazing. And then, you know, word of mouth and also some, you know, uh, you know, hustling and running around right. trying to meet people. And well, it sounds like you have really good luck carrying around with this. <laughs> yeah, business. I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So uh, the listeners who doesn't know uh, too much about uh, uh, brushstroke, that's like uh, David Boulay, um, right? Boulay's mm, yeah. restaurant in uh, Tribeca. Yeah. And then very high end. Yeah, David is a fantastic uh, chef and a really interesting person, and he's like beyond interested in tea. He's a mm. few, he really only drinks Japanese green tea and he's really passionate about it. And anyone who it remotely works in Japanese tea in this city has a relationship with David Boulay because he's mm. a big fan and supporter and he's, you know, really uh, just an interesting, wonderful guy and has been, you know, really great to us. Mm. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. And then everything started to the... Yeah, to from the there, world. you know, it was little by little and it's slow. I mean... Um, Japanese tea is still finding its its footing in the United States. So it's mm. it's a little bit farther along in Europe, definitely in Asia. But mm. you know, with a company like this, it's not a startup where you're trying to like rev it right away and hit huge revenue. You gotta kind of slowly build it and mm. piece by piece build your relationships. Um, take your time with it, and you know, it's starting to pay dividends now and and and, and develop in that we've been doing it for a while. But mm. you know, like any artisanal product, it, especially in a new environment like New York where maybe there's not a history of tea like in other you know, mm. cultures or countries. It takes time. So you can't be in a rush. You kind of have to be in it for the long run. Mm. Okay. So um, I'm curious what kind of uh, farms or, you know, I want to hear about that kind of artisanal story about one of the area network. Sure, people. sure, sure. So the, you know, as I mentioned right now, it's about 10, depending on the season, maybe more, maybe less. Um, and we have some fantastic producers. One of them, this is a great story. So Japan produces 99% green tea. Mm. So other countries, China, Taiwan, India, generally produce more than one style of tea, black tea, mm-hmm. uh, oolong. Um, but Japan is really a green tea country. Mm. But um, seeing the, um, the, the market for other types of teas, one of our producers uh, took a, a research trip to Taiwan mm. and fell in love with Taiwanese style oolong. And convinced his dad, who's the boss, Shacho, they mm-hmm. say in Japan, boss, uh, convinced his dad to buy some equipment to make, to try and make their own oolong. Mm. So he single-handedly started after work. So in Japan, as you well know, it's a long work day. You start early, you work late. <laughs> and his kind of way to blow off steam at night was to go and start you know, messing around with these machines and trying to figure out how to make something that wasn't green tea. Mm. And he took a specific varietal that he thought would work well. He, you know, did his best to learn. And now five years later, he's making remarkably good, wow. like, you could put it in front of someone who knows uh, mm. Taiwanese tea very well, and they are stumped when you say it's not from Taiwan. Right. And he's his level of skill and expertise in Japanese tea has really carried him into creating something mm. uh, really unique. You know that, mm. that uh, he's and he's also doing the same with black tea. He went to India, and now he's back, <laughs> and he's making really. Uh, s- surprisingly accurate uh, Indian style black wow. tea. So, so how that, many generations? Is he? So he's uh, he's 
relatively young. He's fourth generation. Okay. So that, <laughs> by, Still. But yeah, but we have um, we have a couple. One of our good friends is ninth generation, uh, seventh. It's really you know it carries from father to the son. Mm. And we do have some interesting. Um, it's really fun to see when a daughter takes over because you know it, maybe mm. there isn't a son or maybe uh, the the son isn't interested. Mm. We just met um, about two and a half weeks ago. We were in Uji right outside of Kyoto, and mm-hmm. we met with this wonderful uh, woman who's you know the baton has been passed to her and she's mm. now producing tea and it's kind of still a unique position in japan as generally it's passed through the male right. side of the family but she's confident and she's making great tea so mm. we're, we're excited wow amazing yeah. so sounds like a traditional beverage kind of like advanced mm-hmm. by new generation yeah i think that you know unfortunately in in japan uh Green tea, like loose leaf green tea, is in is in pretty deep decline. It's it's moved on to the mm. pet bottle style. The right. bottled tea is is mm. doing well, but not a lot of people are drinking tea. So, it's kind of given them a shake up. You know, uh, producers have to find new ways to attract customers and think a little bit outside of the box. Mm. And one of those ways, and good for us, is kind of been. You know, partnering with people who are moving the product out of the country. Mm. Where still today, you know, most of the product that is of high quality stays in the domestic market. Mm -hmm. But little by little, we're able to kind of start moving it out and introducing it to a new audience, Mm, which benefits them for sure. Right. So it sounds like because you have to make tea at home with, you know, the loose leaf Mm -hmm, too. So mm -hmm. that's a... Step you have to have added value. Yeah, so that's what new generation is trying to. Sure, exactly. Mm. Okay, so um, what types of tea do you carry? So everything that the one unique thing about the company is it's all from Japan. So every product that we source comes from uh, somewhere in Japan, mm. where uh, a lot of companies, you know, uh, source from many different companies uh, from many different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, right now on our menu, it's primarily green tea. So green tea is several different categories. Mm-hmm. The most straightforward would be sencha. Sencha is um, kind of a basic style of picked and steamed green tea. Mm-hmm. Um, so we carry that. We carry gyokuro, which is a shaded tea. It's grown under... Um, mm-hmm. Like the last uh, couple months, they grow. Right, yeah. So right before, about three weeks before they harvest it, they cover it with uh, kind of a reed netting and then... Uh, uh, straw on top of that to block the sunlight and it affects the flavor of the mm. tea. Uh, I heard it's more like delicate and yeah. more uh, nutrition. Yeah, so it amplifies certain elements of the flavor, one being umami or mm-hmm. rich richness. So the richness, the rich flavor, um, really it's it's remarkable when you taste it it's it's mm. it, most people who have never had gyokuro drink it for the first time and they're like what is this mm. it does, this does not taste like tea it's sweet it's very rich it's almost broth like mm-hmm. um so that's a, a category that we're really excited to be able to share because there's not a lot of uh in, in our opinion not a lot of great uh, examples of that being brought mm. out of uh of japan then you know we have uh matcha which is you know i think most people at this point have had some mm-hmm. experience with matcha it's the powdered version of green tea it's ground into a fine right, powder. Right, but also that's uh, uh, grown at the last couple months there under the shade. Right, it, uh, very similar to Gyokuro, they're covered and then the difference being they're ground up in a stone mill into mm, a powder and then whisked right. not brewed like a traditional tea. And then we also have some interesting things like soba, soba cha from mm, Nagano, which buckwheat. is actually yeah, not a tea, but it's a buckwheat grain that we mm. have steeped and 
an oolong, a black tea.、Mm-hmm. So, really, yeah, we have a, in terms of Japanese tea, we have a pretty wide variety. Right. Well, buckwheat tea, people don't know much about it, but it's like a very distinctive flavor. Yeah. And、uh, I think it's refreshing and、mm-hmm. doesn't have much、uh, caffeine. Zero, yeah,、right? zero caffeine. It's actually become our, it's the number two best selling product we have. And one of the things about it that's Kind of fascinating to me is when people drink it, it's not a flavor that they're maybe have had any experience with, but they、mm-hmm. feel a sense of connection to it. Like a, a lot of people say it's very comforting. Like,、mm-hmm. and I had that experience when I drank it, I'd never had really so much out before, but immediately it was like an in- instinct, like, oh, this feels、yeah. similar. Like, I feel like I've had this before, but maybe、mm-hmm. it tastes like a food. People, a lot of people that grew up having like kasha. That type、uh-huh. of cooked grain, they have some connection to it. That right. Way, and something like, a, I wouldn't say a mint, but it's something refreshing.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. But、uh, I never succeeded in how to describe it because it's such a yeah, unique flavor. Yeah, it's toasty, nutty, a little bit. It's very aromatic, I think,、mm. but it's very light on the palate and sweet. The one that we source is、mm. uh, actually roasted by hand, so it's,、oh, uh, wow. it's the sweetness and the sugar in the buckwheat actually kind of comes out when you、mm. do it. Oh, wow. And、yeah. buckwheat is so nutritious too. Yes,、so. very. Okay, and、uh, so now actually we are tasting this new shincha,、yes. uh, which you just brought back from Japan after、mm-hmm. three weeks of a trip. So maybe you can talk about what shincha is and what's shincha. Sure,、special. so shincha is a, a big deal in Japan. It's the shin means、uh, new, so it's new and tea, cha is tea. So、uh, mm. shincha really means the fresh crop. So、uh, on a big Macro view, it's the first picked tea of the year, but it's celebrated like many things in Japanese cuisine.、Uh, it's hyper seasonal, so it's really、mm. only available in Japan for about six to eight weeks、right. and then it's gone. It's, it's like the Beaujolais ex- new book. <laughs> exactly, it's the Beaujolais of tea and it's、mm. usually light, refreshing. It's not as complex as some of the teas you're going to have later in the year, but it's a kind of a, a a look at what to expect for the teas, kind、mm. of the, the characteristics of the teas for the year. and Uh, the good news is this year it's excellent, and、uh, mm. everyone's really. They kind of say every year the tea's going to be good, but, <laughs> it, but the people who haven't said it in the past to me are like, really, seriously, this year is a very、oh, wow. good year for tea. So it's a great.、Uh, it's just fun to drink because it's only around for a little while, and、mm. the, ours was harvested. We have three. One was harvested April 14th from、mm-hmm. Kagoshima, which、mm. is kind of the first area to、uh, release their teas because it becomes warm there and、right. then moves up. Uh, we have Yame, which you're drinking now, that was April 28th,、mm. and then one from Nagasaki, which was May 10th.、Wow. So that just, just got released.、Yeah. Amazing.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the color is amazingly beautiful.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, there's like, you know, it's bitter, but it's a sweet. Mm-hmm. First, yeah, these are very, very sweet.、Uh, Yame in particular has a, is, is known to be very sweet, it has a, a lot of body, and the, I think the freshness is what's really the most important characteristic、mm. of these teas, right? Well, actually,、um, I posted a message about this episode on my Facebook to promote the show, and then a listener asked a question So, does Japan have a fermented tea similar to Chinese puar?、Mm-hmm. And what's the answer? It is, they do. It's, it's a special tea that comes. From Shikoku, from the island of Shikoku, and it's a 
there's the term fermentation is kind of widely misused in tea when people talk about oxidation which is when tea leaves turn brown mm. when they turn from uh, green tea and you let them sit like if you cut an apple mm. and you hold it in the air it'll right. turn brown over time so mm. black tea is actually oxidized but fermented tea mm. where there's actually a fermentation process happening is really only confined to pu'er which is a chinese style tea from south uh, southern part of china but they started making one in uh in shikoku and it's a very interesting tea mm. we, we don't sell it um <laughs> it's it's a it's very unique it's got a kind of a full body flavor a mm. uh, little bit funky i think fermented teas are, are quite funky yeah i heard it like uh, there's lactic acid in it yeah so they use they use a catalyst basically they use um they insert the tea the the raw tea leaf with a kind of uh, an enzyme that mm. produces this fermentation process right Mm-hmm. So I heard it's a uh, goishi cha. Yeah, that's right. right? And uh, so I, I think there was a, it's it's known now as a good diet tea, mm-hmm. health benefit mm-hmm. because it can improve uh, metabolism, works for constipation, improve skin conditions, slow aging, whatever. People <laughs> yeah, just name. whatever you want to tack on there, that's it'll right. do that too. Right. Yeah. But anyways, so yeah. there is a. Something similar. Yeah. To so one thing you'll notice in in the, one of the things I think chefs and people in food and beverage love about Japan is it's so local that like mm-hmm. you could not know about something and then drop by this small town and they're like, oh, we make this here. Like it's only in our prefecture or in our area of Japan. So this is a very like that mm-hmm. that style of tea is really confined to Shikoku. They're not making it in many other places. So mm. That's what's so fun about Japan is depending, you may have visited several places, then you go to a new one and you discover some fascinating new tea that you didn't know was there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think uh, we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, Japanese uh, tea terroir. So please stay with us. Itoen, the leading green tea company and makers of Oi Ocha, Japan's number one selling green tea, offers an array of award winning ready to drink teas, premium tea leaves, tea bags, and antioxidant matcha powder. From the refreshing taste of tea's tea, brewed with only the purest of teas, to matcha love taking a modern take on an ancient ritual, Itoen celebrates the authentic tastes of Japan with their 50 plus years of tea making expertise. For a natural energy boost, try Sencha Shot, packed with healthy catechins and vitamin C. Do visit the Matcha Love Store in the Mitsua Marketplace located in Edgewater, New Jersey, for their signature matcha ice cream and shakes. Hoji and black sesame are also a must. With a selection of delicious teas, teaware, and gift sets, Matcha Love by Itoen is not to be missed. For more information, visit itoen.com. Welcome back. You're mm. listening to Japan Eats, broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. 
I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Zach Mangan, who is the co-founder of Kero, the Japanese tea import and distributor based in Fukuoka, Japan, and New York. So, um, so we've been talking about artisanal uh, tea products, and uh, nowadays we all get more interested in local producers and their stories when we talk about food, coffee, wine, craft beer, and so on. So, um, but here in New York, most of us don't know much about regional differences of Japanese green tea. So, could you tell us some major tea producing regions in Japan? Yeah. So there's um, over a dozen areas in Japan, maybe more, that are producing on some scale, maybe、mm-hmm. very small to very large amounts of tea. The largest、uh, Shizuoka is Japan's number、mm-hmm. one. Uh, in terms of volume uh,、mm-hmm. producer uh, in, in, in the entire country, second would be Kagoshima, which、mm. is very opposite end.、Uh, so Shizuoka is just south of Tokyo n-、mm-hmm. in, near Mount Fuji.、Uh, if you go all the way to the bottom of the country, Kagoshima is the second largest producer.、Mm. Then from there, you go back up to、um, Mie. Actually, Mie Prefecture is all, very close to Shizuoka, producing quite a lot of tea.、Mm. Yame in Fukuoka, and、mm. then Uji, which is right outside of Kyoto. Those are kind of the main areas that are、mm. uh, producing by volume quite a lot of tea. And then all over Kyushu, there's other Saga, Miyazaki.、Mm. Um, those places are making tea as well. Right. So I'm sure they are so different depending on which, which area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's、um, production method is. Primarily very similar throughout the country、um, mm-hmm. in terms of the machines that they're using and the you know, applying. The, the thing that sets Japanese green tea apart from most other green teas made is that it, it uses steam.、Mm. So when they pick the fresh leaf, in order to stabilize the leaf and keep it green and stop it from、mm. oxidizing, instead they, of roasting. Right. So in China, for example, they'd use a dry wok where they would show、mm. the, they would heat the leaf with this dry wok.、Uh, Japan uses steam.、Mm. So Excuse me, almost everywhere in、uh, Japan is still using that steaming method.、Mm. Um, there's a couple of places which are really interesting. If you go to the bottom of the country、um, in Saga and、mm-hmm. Miyazaki, where the port, ports were when China、mm-hmm. sailed over to, you right. know, to, to Japan, south,、right. Right, there's still some Chinese style teas being made there、mm. because of that leftover influence from、uh, when they were taught how to make Chinese tea、mm. from, from China. Wow, interesting.、Yeah. So, and I got a data. So, as for the quantity, in 2014, this is the latest I got. So, 767 million green tea, I mean, the pound green tea was produced in Japan.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, like it's a n- n- number one Suzuka, and、mm-hmm. it's a premium tea. And the number two Kagoshima is mainly used for blending. So, it's not the highest quality. Yeah, well, they'll tell you. I mean, it's,、uh, it's always.、Uh Everyone has an opinion. You right, know? When right, you go you to Kagoshima, they will tell you this is quality green <laughs> yeah, tea. Right, and no, 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 it's true. I mean, Shizuoka is a big place. So,、uh, mm. just starting with there, there's tea that's grown down、uh, very close to sea level.、Mm-hmm. There's tea grown in the mountainside. The mountainside teas tend to have more of what you think of terroir,、mm. having a taste of the place.、Um, right. So, when you go to Kawane or to Abe River area in Shizuoka, it's very small, it's very artisanal, it's very expensive.、Mm. If you go down To the mainland, like Makinohara, is a big production、uh, area in、um, 
Shizuoka. They're making great teas, but they're also making the tea that goes into pet bottle teas mm. or into matcha sweets or into toothpaste that has green tea. <laughs> you know, like it's, it right. runs the gamut. And the same goes with Kagoshima. There are producers that are making wonderful products, and mm. there's also, you know, it's a business. So there's people making vast amounts of mediocre tea that they're going to use in, right. you know, some vitamin supplement or something. Mm, interesting. So the highest one is like a Burgundy or Bordeaux kind yeah, of veneers. Yeah. yeah, and those by volume are very small amounts of what Japan sells and mm-hmm. you know that's what we sell that's what we only sell we really sell the highest quality leaves that are mm-hmm. available and uh, in some ways I think that our producers really appreciate that we're going that route that mm-hmm. we're saying like you know what business be damned we're going to go after great stuff and we're going to see what sticks and we're going to you know that's what we're going to sell and mm. they, they they're proud of those teas anybody you meet who makes wonderful teas is going to you know be proud to showcase them and share them so mm. that i think created some goodwill between us and the producers right because like uh, you know japanese sake which has been you know sale has been tanking and then it's come picking up because of their focus for high-end mm-hmm. high-quality it's true, yeah. And I think, especially in New York, people love, you know, there's, since Jiro Dreams of Sushi or Birth mm-hmm. of Sake, <laughs> like these films that, you know, shed light on how hard people are, you know, artisans are working in, in Japan, mm. uh, specifically other countries as well, to create craft, craft mm-hmm. uh, foods and beverages. It's just inspiring. And when you right. get to taste the real the real deal it's you know it's totally different right you know? they don't do that for making money right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to their own detriment sometimes they are really focused on quality and just doing it the right way mm. and it's the sometimes the you know the, the money aspect comes way down the line <laughs> and you know so hopefully it's in balance though you want them to be mm. making enough money so that they're there next year but you also y- y- they don't phone it in they are very mm. serious about doing it the right way right no compromise exactly right okay so we talked a little bit about the production method and i heard that there are two different kinds of uh, methods and even the next level or deeper level. So that's one is called the fukamushi and the other one is called the asamushi. Mm-hmm. So what are they? So again, talking about that steaming process, those are two levels of steaming that are used. So mm. to get into sort of the, the deeper production lingo, uh, mushi is just a steaming. It's a style of mm. applying you know, steam to the tea leaf. And asamushi refers to tea leaves that are steamed for a shorter amount of time so generally under 15 seconds Mm -hmm. Um, certain regions specifically uji right outside kyoto which is a very old and traditional style tea producer they Mm. only make primarily asamushi so that light steaming gives it a very fresh characteristic also a much lighter color in the cup Mm. it's more golden to Mm. light green uh, fukamushi is actually the opposite end of the spectrum. That's a deep steaming. So mm. that's going to be about 45 seconds. And that doesn't seem like much difference, 15 seconds to 45 seconds, but mm-hmm. it's a completely different product then. It's much uh, deeper green mm. in the cup, a soupier tea, and really a beautiful color, mm. um, but very different tastes. Okay, because I heard the longer you steep, uh, steam, you the, the more you lose uh, flavor and uh, bitterness. Yeah, so fukamushi is very approachable in terms of, uh, number one, the color. So when people see the color, they're, wow, that's such a beautiful green color. Mm. The reason why is that tea particles break down. Okay. So it's if it's like the tea leaf is maybe a long needle to begin with, after that much steaming, it'll break into a few pieces. Mm. Some of that sediment will pass through the strainer into the cup, so you right. get a really bright green. Mm. Um, in terms of aroma... 
it, it's complicated. It, you may lose some there, but you can make it up in another area of the, the production. For example, firing or uh, drying, you can bring aroma back into the leaf depending mm. on how it, heat is applied. Not uh, dry, uh, not wet heat steam, but you then use dry heat. Mm-hmm. So it's a making tea is a mystery. It's complex, and people <laughs> who do it are are talented on a, on a scale I've never seen to be able to understand not only the year's crop, what it looks like, what it mm. tastes like. They have to imagine what do they need to do in these 10 processes to make it taste the same as wow. last year. Part of that is blending. So they'll take different uh, varietals of green tea and they'll produce them and mix them together to create mm. a, a standardized taste that their customers want year after year. So if you right. taste you know, com- company A's Sencha mm. in 2015, 2016, that customer expects it to taste the same way again, <laughs> even though right. maybe they had more rain or it was cooler or, and that's uh, Chashi. Mm. Chashi is a generally a gentleman who works for the tea manufacturer who it's his job to understand mm. all of the elements that go into play to make that tea consistent year after year. Right. Wow. Well, it sounds like even more complicated than uh, winemaking. Well, I, I, I mean, I can't speak exactly. Uh, I know winemaking is absolutely complicated as well, but it's it's certainly no less complicated, that's mm. for sure. It's it's. Uh, I, I think that if, if someone who appreciates craft beverages were to go to a tea farm, they would be, you know, they'd mm-hmm. be giddy because there's just so much, like, to learn about. And that's, you know, for me, I picked this kind of as a career choice because I didn't see much of an end in sight. Cause the <laughs> deeper you go, you know, mm. it splits off and suddenly there's more options to learn about. So right. that's the fun part. Mm. Okay. Um, so the, well, people started to drink a lot more green tea in this country lately. And, you know, I think partly because of health benefits of mm-hmm. green tea. So mm-hmm. maybe you can briefly talk about the health benefits. Sure. That's a big broad uh, subject for sure. We we shy away from making explicit health claims about products, <laughs> but it is certainly, if you look, there's a, a numerous data showing that green tea uh, consumption has uh, positive effects on the body. Specifically, the most researched element is called catechin. Mm-hmm. Catechin is uh, actually what gives tea sort of its dry, astringent, or bitter flavor. Mm. Um, that's a component that protects the tea plant uh, in nature. So mm. catechin protects the plant from bugs or from pests. When you process the tea and ingest it into your body, it actually, those same uh, mm. processes it does for the tea plant, it does for you. So right. it's been shown to fight, you know, uh, free radicals as an antioxidant. And and then, you know, theanine is another element that's been shown to promote sort of general mm. feeling of, of relaxation. So, yeah, I, I would be wary of anybody that tells you it's going to, like, make you look 20 years younger or solve <laughs> all of your problems or do your taxes for you or whatever they claim <laughs> that it's going to do. It probably is a you know, half of what they say, but it is certainly, um, specifically, if you look at population studies on Japan in terms of stomach cancer and mm. in terms of oral and esophageal cancer, certain foods are, are touted as being reasons those are so low. Right. Okay, so at least with catechin is known for antioxidants, right. and then you know L-theanine. Yeah. And um, I, I think the the process of drinking it too is has an element of relaxation and enjoyment, and that's got to be good for you too. Mm, you know, if you like what, yeah, if you like what you're drinking, that's that that that's got to be good for your mental state at least. Mm, right, and the smell and mm. the, the process mm-hmm. is yeah. kind of very calming. Yes. Right. Okay. And uh, I heard that you came in third place uh, last year at the annual All Japan Contest for Brewing Delicious Jokuro. So <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was very uh, 
interesting experience. It was uh, a friend, uh, actually a woman who works with us, um, knew about this, and it, it was held last year in Fukuoka, and it was people from all over the country came to, you know, partake in this. It, it's it's an industry event, so it's to promote gyokuro consumption, mm. but also it has this added contest where people, you know, can show up with their teaware, and they have everyone has to use the same amount, or excuse me, the same type of tea leaf, but they can use a different amount. They can brew it the mm. way they want. And, you know, she asked if I wanted to do it. And I said, well, why not? So, <laughs> you know, I, I went in uh, with one of our producers who makes Gyokuro and I worked on you know, what I thought was a good method. And he showed me a few things and I practiced like, you know, every morning for about <laughs> a week. And I really was shocked. Uh, you know, it was a, it was like a round, uh, each round mm. certain people passed through right. and uh, I just kept going and I was I thought it was like a joke. (laughs) And everyone did, too, because I was one of the few, you know, foreigners at this this very, Mm -hmm. like, strange and unique (laughs) competition that most people in America don't know what this tea is. So in the end, I was, you know, I was obviously very happy to to go into the finals. And it was just a great memory. And Mm -hmm. the fun part for me was one of our producers was there as part of the industry. And I think it was a proud moment for both of us that, you know, we were... The kind of recognizing together that nice. I was serious about this and it was my passion and mm-hmm. I was happy to you know kind of do well for him because it made you know it just it brought us a little bit yeah, closer together. Yeah, so it was probably bigger than you thought. Yeah, right? yeah, and it was funny and, and we actually I made a little bit of money so I took our employees we we just blew it all on a nice dinner after we went <laughs> out and got uh, some food in Fukuoka and it was it was a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah. Well, but you officially confirmed as a well, master somewhere. I don't know a master. There's a there's I have at, uh, the small apartment I stay at when I'm in Japan. I still have two framed. Um, awards there that I have to figure out how to get home sometime but I keep them <laughs> at the room there that uh, if anyone can read Japanese they'll be able to tell me what it says <laughs> okay well you can take a picture yeah, I'll do that sure sure <laughs> um, so the um, you know like as we talked earlier you sell a tea at very popular high-end restaurants in New York mm-hmm. so how do you predict the popularity of tea in the US it's going to stay as a premium drink or something a little more casual well, we do sell at a lot of premium restaurants. We also sell at cafes and, you know, to more uh, maybe mainstream outlets. Um, to be honest, if we're looking at a retail perspective, like, you know, we have very high-end stuff. We have, uh, while great quality, less expensive teas as well. And we do sell a lot of both. So, mm. you know, I think um, we make it easy for, as a gateway if you want to get into teas. We do a great line of tea bags that we worked really hard on making sure we made great tea mm. in the bag. And a lot of people find their way into loose tea through that. And I see it as tea, you know, tea is a story. It's a, it's a, it's learning the history, not only the history of tea in Japan, but throughout the world and learning the stories of the people who make it. And mm. I think that's very attractive. You know, coffee has that, wine has that, right. whiskey has that narrative. And uh, it wouldn't be enough to just be a narrative. It's also delicious. Mm. You know, people try it and they prepare it well. I think surprise is one of the biggest things we see when we have a customer taste our tea and Mm. it's a good thing but at the same time you want them you know to develop a palate so that they can appreciate it Mm -hmm. and over time but at first it's like oh my god i didn't know green tea tastes (laughs) like i thought it was bitter i thought it you know was didn't have any body a lot of coffee drinkers say oh it's tea's watery Mm. and then we make tea for them and they're like oh like, this is such a parallel experience to drinking right. great coffee. Well, honestly, I, I had uh, this shincha in mm-hmm. front of me mm-hmm. uh, first time in 
couple of years to yeah. have shincha, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, I forgot. This is so sweet. Yeah, yeah. and deep. Yeah. So, and it's it's the difference of just you know uh, making sure we we take good care of it. So we we take remove all the oxygen from the packaging. We only airship. We keep it refrigerated. Mm. So by the time it gets to the customer, where it's really intact. Because mm. you can have great tea, but if it leaves on a boat and it comes three months later, and there was you know, it was hot underneath the boat. The tea right. was ruined. It doesn't matter. You know, at that mm. point, it's gone. The flavor is gone. So. Right. Okay. So I understand we can get uh, your tea on your website. Um, that's uh, kettle tea, K-E-T-T-L dot C-O. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you, have, you also have a pop-up shop upstairs of Okonomi restaurant yeah. in Williamsburg? Yeah. So I think you're familiar with Yuji-san. He's been on the show. Um, he was a you know, I've always loved what he's doing. I, I think he's doing great things uh, for Japan and for America in terms of his passion for kind of creative Japanese food. And mm. I used to just stop by with samples. I like haunted him. I'd be like, hey, I brought you some <laughs> stuff. And he, to his credit, he has a vision and what, you know, what he wants to do, he does. And at the time, tea wasn't really mm. part of that. But I just kept kind of, you know, going right. by. And it ended up that I did a tea class for his staff. So I ended up uh. Uh, just doing a quick, you know, overview of tea and a tasting and everyone loved it and mm. you know luckily he after he said hey do you want to come back tomorrow and do a pop-up i'm doing a pottery fair here why don't you come and make tea mm. and i've never left so i'm there <laughs> i'm there now this i'm usually there on saturdays and sundays but it can be it is a pop-up so there's some days when i might not be there doing okay. other events but generally speaking from um 11 to 3 p.m on saturdays and sundays mm-hmm. uh, i'm above okonomi it's 150 ainsley street in, mm-hmm. in brooklyn and right. ultimate morning you should come uh put your name on the list at okonomi because there's mm-hmm. always a wait right. come upstairs have some <laughs> tea you can talk to me have to you know just Perfect. enjoy yourself chill and then they'll call they'll actually come upstairs and get you and then you can go down and have right. the, the food so it's a great morning oh well, that's a great motivation because yeah. yeah. so you have to like you said you have to wait so yeah. that's perfect. so we're the wait, we're actually the okonomi waiting room is what i say when people come up and they can just have tea and wait <laughs> for the food right yeah so um so what's your plan from here mm-hmm. um so we have a lot of interesting things on the horizon uh you know working obviously our restaurant partners are expanding we just met with some restaurants in california we're starting to sell our product on the west coast and um focusing on now for this immediate few months we're doing some events here in new york uh, actually coming up on the 22nd um mm. s- uh, 22nd sunday mm-hmm. uh, from 5 30 to 10 we're doing a shincha event at saikai dining bar okay. which is in manhattan on greenwich street with um, ipodo which is another uh, mm. kyoto based tea company we're mm. doing a collaborative event to feature shincha oh, nice. uh, we're doing classes we're doing obviously the pop-up and kind of expanding from that oh, we're going to be doing kind of some fun program this summer around uh, mizudashi which is cold brew tea mm-hmm. so we're, we're launching in june kind of a new the, the shop uh, experience is going to be a little different mm, around. It's like cold a cold brew, brew coffee, the right. same idea. Mm-hmm. Cold extracted, mm. yeah. So and that kind of the information can be found at your yeah, website. Yep, just k e t t l dot c o. Mm. And um, yeah, we have um, most of what's going on is up there, and we're bringing in new products and uh, also getting into some new ceramics this year, which are going to be interesting. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. Well, this uh, we're going to finish the show now, but uh, before the show, we are talking about. You opening a jazz and <laughs> green tea, like a Japanese kisaden kind yeah. of traditional tea. Yeah, so my background space. in music is, you know, it's always, for me, tea is so linked to culture and it's so linked to um, 
art and in expression that you know whenever i have the shop open i'm always programming music and mm. making sure that the tea roasting candle with the tea on top is burning so people can smell the leaves and it's mm. a very it's it's an interactive experience so yeah in the future we're definitely looking our plan is to have a, a full retail experience where it would be standalone and that's kind of the next step for us. So mm. we were talking earlier, yeah, about programming some jazz, uh, either L, like having just a turntable and playing sides nice. or, you know, once a week doing music there as well. Because I need to dust off the drums and play a little bit more. So maybe <laughs> if I open a, a place right. where I can play, it'll do it. Yeah, music and tea. Yeah, it's a, a, good, it's a good idea. So, yeah, you'll be you'll be there on opening day, I hope. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, listeners, if you can invest in this Jack's new That's business. right. Yeah, you can also go to kettle.co and uh, with any, you can contact us if you're looking to uh, get into the tea and jazz game. Mm. I know I know. there's a lot of people out there <laughs> with that on their list. Right. Okay. And, uh, well, you have to come back and talk yeah. more about all the exciting things. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. So, um uh, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show, please contact us at heritageradionetwork.org and you can sign up for our newsletter to get fun updates and event information at the bottom of our homepage. And Japan Eats is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays, always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, and Stitcher podcasts. Today's show was made possible by Doen, and our engineer is David, David Tatasiore. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.